Good afternoon. This is Cultivating Classroom Management. I think it's time to pause and think about our value systems in our schools and in the classroom. And on this day, I think of all the college scandals that are out there. And, you know, it makes me wonder about what the system is promoting in terms of the strive for this end goal without the process. And education is not about the end goal, only the graduation, the high grades, the getting into the best school. It really is about the process and it's really about doing the work. And this relates to classroom management because classroom management and school culture are closely tied. They're, they're really tied in school culture. If it's not an honest culture that has a sense of integrity and valuing all of the students, no matter where they are and working with them, it's not going to work out very well. And there is going to be academic dishonesty. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be struggle and there's going to be negativity. And I've lived in several school systems. I want to say lived because much of my life has been in school systems where principals had to clearly make the scores or the schools uh, would be closed. And um, sometimes there's a great temptation to change statistics or move statistics a little bit and and I think that it's very hard nowadays for educators to really say this is where the kids are and this is how we have to deal with it, whether it's teaching them the very, very things that they need for basic skills or whether it's teaching them social emotional skills are going slowly than all the pacing calendars talk about or teaching out of the norm of teaching to the test. I think it's very, very easy to lose sight and start thinking about that. These benchmarks and these uh, goals that principals have to make and teachers have to make, and I think that the pressure comes more from the top down. And I say that it's very important not to lose sight of the integrity and the values within a school, within the classroom, within a group of students and to think about those values and to not be tempted to take shortcuts or to to be um, in the negativity. I mean, basically, that's what it comes down to. And I think that one thing that I've learned about this process of creating a positive culture in a classroom is that we need to really be there for the kids and understand where they are and not delude ourselves that they really don't need the skills teaching or the knowledge or the repetition or the understanding. And this does have to do with classroom management because a lot of acting out happens when kids are not taught at the right level or they're not understood, or they're not assessed properly. 
So I think about the restorative process uh, in terms of classroom management as a different way of thinking about managing the classroom where it's really not about managing. It's about building from the ground up. It's about the connections that are made, whether it's in a circle or whether it's in a classroom meeting or whether it's just in a really good lesson in a great discussion where the teacher is facilitating and letting the kids do the talking. I think about this and I think about the importance of also building in time for the students to really grow and to really change. And I think with this hurry up and meet the standards that the No Child Left Behind program uh, pushed us into, it's becoming a problem. And again, the, the law was well-intentioned. The law was something that came out of a lot of concern and a lot of years of legislation, of trying to catch up to other countries, of trying to make sure that every child succeeds. But things went terribly wrong because maybe the system doesn't really accept all students. All students meaning the system is designed for some to do well and some not. And there's a lot of unintentional or maybe intentional, who knows, racism, classism, sexism, uh, ableism within the system. But I wanna talk about some of the solutions because it's important, really important to be aware of all these corrosions in the system, but it's also really important to start in the here and now to see what we can do for the kids, for the support staff, for the teachers, for each other, as a matter of fact. And I really like the restorative philosophy because it thinks about the circle process and the restorative process, the other parts of restorative process, as the other side of teaching that's not really addressed, that holistic side, the whole child that Maria Montessori talked about a long time ago that sort of has been sh shoveled under the rug. And I think that we've touched upon it, you know, as we put more guidance counselors in the system. And then, of course, with budget cuts, that's been taken away. And you know, these things come and go. And meanwhile, who suffers? The kids. So I'm thinking about the restorative process as something that's the beginning of a new era. And I think about that maybe, maybe, just maybe some of the experts had it wrong. Some of the experts who thought they were doing the right thing wound up doing something that is just hurting kids and winding up with more disparities than we really, really thought we'd have. So I'm, I'd like to talk a lot more about this and go into a little more depth. And here's my thoughts on it. The experts have it wrong. What the NCLB Act, No Child Left Behind, sought 
to fix back in 2002 left out the most important factors of running a school and fostering a thriving school culture. While it is important to teach with rigor, I agree with it, hire qualified teachers, level the playing field for students of color, close the achievement gap, and help our nation catch up with other nations. There are important factors that have left schools in disarray. Students cannot learn in a chaotic school culture where leaders are not able to lead efficiently because they either have blinders on and they fail to see the holistic side of managing people and leading people, or they fail to see the humanistic side of preparing teachers to teach. That's what a leader's job is, not to just manage widgets where they're there to help te prepare teachers to teach. And many leaders are caught up in administrivia. They're there to teach, to help counselors to counsel, to support the budget when the budget is l low in funding and to support the personnel who are the support personnel, not just to use them for extra se secretarial work. The humanistic side of leadership is about dealing with not only what is, but what will be. The most important factor in schools are not raising scores, but raising children. School culture, climate, and tone have much more impact on learning than the content itself. Not that the content isn't important. Teachers can continue to deliver the con content and become experts in content. But in a negative school culture, it becomes a superficial act for teachers and a superficial experience for students. I've heard this firsthand from teachers who are in the field, who are working with only test prep packets, scripted programs, being told what to do, when to do it, and feeling less than satisfied in their job and not feeling that they have achieved at the end of the day. I am reading a book by Bettina Love and Bettina Love asked this question. Are children merely surviving or are they thriving? And she goes into her own story and what she perceives is going on. And it's an eye-opening book and we're reading it in the book club at work. And it's helping me to wrap my mind around the bigger questions. Here we see sad pictures of reality and we hear the stories, but we also hear and see and feel the healing in positive and thriving cultures. Enter any school building and you will immediately understand a great deal about the school culture without having to go more than two feet. I noticed this today when I went to a school. People were smiling consistently at me. There was security at the door, but he treated me with dignity, with caring. And he said things like, I'll get you through fast. Whereas the last school I visited, they said, what? Who are you? And this was in a suburban neighborhood. And they were unfriendly. And they were uncaring. And I'm sure there's a lot going on that where the kids feel it too. Do you notice at the front desk what is going on? Do you notice that the front desk in a school reflects exactly the core culture of the school and what the school will look, 
feel like, and even smell like. How the children are treated, how the adults are treated. Does the school have the infamous unwelcome woman at the front desk or man who rudely asks you what you are doing there? Or is there someone behind a glass cage to protect the school from potential shooters, criminals, terrorists? Or is there a feeling of openness, welcome and friendliness when you walk through the door? Are there beautiful pictures up of children's work? Are there signs to welcome visitors? Are there signs in other languages? Is there an administrator who shakes your hand? Are there teachers who help you when you're lost in the hall? As a teacher educator who has visited hundreds of schools in the past 10 years, I can honestly tell more about a school in the first five minutes of entering it. My perceptions are not just right, they're consistent. If I, if I was doing research on this, my research would be impeccable because it's true that what I see in almost every entrance and every feeling when I've entered a school. I went to one school in Manhattan where boys were in little jackets that had monograms on them and they were dropped off by a limo. There was a coat rack when you walk through the door and the man at the front desk was in a plaid jacket with a little hanky in his pocket and yes this was a school for rich kids but he said, may I take your coat? And I've gone into schools in neighborhoods that are um, economically disadvantaged neighborhoods. And I've had people welcome me at the door and I've had people tell me uh, where to go and be welcoming and nice and friendly. And I've gone to other schools in neighborhoods um, that are economically disadvantaged where the same cold treatment that I was talking about happened. And I noticed the same in treatment of the children, barking orders at them, uh, children very loud acting out, vying for attention, broken desks, uh, just a negative school culture. Usually what I notice upon entry is fairly consistent. Security guards, police presence, metal detectors, holding rooms. Innocent children either become victims or perpetrators in negative culture. They barely walk the middle ground. Is this the unintentional shift from school to prison in some of those schools? Is it unintentionally or Maybe in some instances, it's, it is intentionally. I actually visited a school, and I won't say where, but it is, was in one of the boroughs in New York City that was a school that was an alternative district, and it was a holding school for incarceration. And the teacher said to me, we cannot meet in this school because this school has a lot of issues. And I felt... Um, that people were still nice to me, but there was something awry in the school. What are we afraid of in terms of 
making our schools better for all kids, not just kids from the suburbs, not just kids with money like the ones I described before who come to school with limos, but all kids. What are we afraid of? I quote Marianne Williamson, our deepest fear is that we are not inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. It is not our darkness, but our light that frightens us. When I go around speaking about restorative practices, most people want to be there because they've opted into those workshops. But when I've spoken to some teachers about changing school culture and I've gotten negative pushback, maybe there's a certain part of them that is a doubting Thomas or a doubting Thomasina or a doubting Janice or whatever name, but there's gotta be a part of us that truly believes that we can change as educators, that we can change ourselves and that we can change a school culture. If not, maybe we should find another profession because if we're not agents of change, what are we doing there? School experience may be dependent upon where you live. This is a reality. What you have or what you do not have School experience may be a place where messages are truly mixed. And yes, in teacher ed prep programs, we are fighting against that. As, it, as administrators, we are fighting against that. As aspiring principals, we are fire, fighting and firing up against that. As teachers, we are fighting against that as paraprofessionals. But the reality is those haves and have nots experience school as a truly different experience. In places of business where there are caring adults who not only know your name, but act as if they are your own mama, and I'm going back to Bettina Love and things that Bell Hooks wrote about being in school and having that early experience in black schools, I feel that there's something missing in many of the schools I've worked in, in many of the schools I've gone to as a child, and some of the schools I visited. In some of the schools I visited, I see that emerging because there are caring teachers out there who are dealing with a lot of systems. It is not usually the teachers or the paras or even those leaders, although there are bad leaders, but it is the system. There are those students who are seeking shelter from untenable situations at home. They're not just in school to learn, they're in school to find a connection. Such disparate treatment of students amongst all schools has to change. Teachers have to be ready to let that light shine in, to build positive culture in the classroom. And if restorative practices is not the answer, then something else has to be. And I don't care whether it's PBIS, positive behavioral intervention and supports, um, uh, <laughs> creative conflict management, uh, therapeutic crisis intervention, life space intervention, um, positive discipline, all of these programs are better than the alternative. I personally like the experiential nature of restorative circles. 
because it's not only a surprise, but it allows students to become involved. Critical thinking and learning to care for one another and learning to live in a positive and inclusive culture. That is if the teachers have bought into it and the environment supports it. Restorative circles in a vacuum are difficult to do. There can be rugged individualists, sort of like me, who would do a project such as restorative circles. Let's face it, there are rugged individualists in every school, but when a school culture supports positive change, there's a very, very big difference. Why is there such an underlying resistance to the restorative justice movement? I say because there aren't a lot of statistics out there. And also, it doesn't generate a lot of money in terms of there are not a lot of books to sell, not a lot of programs to sell. Uh, There are a lot of people who doubt it because it seems to be something intangible. And everybody wants something tangible. That's why programs such as PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention and Supports, and Applied Behavior Analysis, and all these programs that have research behind them, they do very, very well in schools. Restorative justice doesn't have enough research base right now. It's a very new program, and it's borrowed from uh, the justice system. It's borrowed from the courts and all the way back to indigenous cultures. And there's not a lot of people out there measuring the outcomes. Why? Because most people that are doing restorative justice are jumping in feet first. Most people who are doing restorative practices are practitioners, teachers who care, counselors who care, social workers who care, and there's not a lot of teeth in terms of, there's no vindication for students who act out. And some people still believe in vindication and they believe in punishment or they believe that certain students should get ahead and others shouldn't. Certain students should be excluded and others shouldn't. Uh, Or they just don't believe that classroom management should look like something positive. So I go back to where can we find the light in schools and where can we be the change that we want to see? And I think about that quote uh, from Marianne Williamson, and I want to say that it is so important to believe in the power of change, whether it is restorative justice or another program, and to be there and meet the kids where they're at. They need phonics training, they should have it. If they need math from the ground up, they should have it. Yes, we want to you know, move forward ahead. Everybody should take algebra and trigonometry and all that, all that, all that. But honestly, there are some kids who really need to work from the ground up. Uh, And I I really think that once you get cracked the code in terms of the alphabet code with phonics, once you start teaching them the basic math and giving them the confidence and letting students know that you care for them just like their their second home, there's a big difference bringing the community in and bringing it all together. So thank you very much. And this is Cultivating Classroom Management.